We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the big sky conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. the club for the vandals of idaho welcome back tribe from the north brave and bold to the official unofficial podcast of your idaho vandals and the vandals affiliate on the big sky podcast network i'm your host brian marceau and i'm joined today it's a two-man crew by producer dallas hammer aka dammer how's it going i think the rams did okay because a couple are my fantasy football team yeah, it was a good day to be a Rams fan. Uh, I had to listen to the game because I'm currently packing up the place I used to live. I've got to be out of it by today, so only got to listen to it. But if I remember correctly, it was 38-0 one point. Uh, so, you know, pretty, pretty good time for me. You know, I will someday know what it's like to uh, go through a game like that. Congrats on having a good Rams football day. Uh, congrats on the cat who just made a quick appearance. Listeners will, will not see that, but viewers just saw uh, Dallas's cat. Dallas, your cat on him. Uh, that is my wife's cat, Luna. Okay, Luna, special then, guest. Yes, and then I have my own cat, Gary, who will probably not make an appearance because he's locked in the bedroom. But. Well, that sounds like an admission of animal cruelty, guys. So uh, someone get a hold of ASPCA right now. But we're here today for a different kind of cruelty. It's kind of an instant reaction. Honestly, with how the season's going, guys, I don't mind uh, doing our reactions as in the day after. Uh, it gives us a little bit of time to process, gives listeners some time to process or at least get away from the game before we try to soberly or not so soberly go over what the heck this means for Vanda football. But today, what we're talking about is Idaho last night loses 38-31 to 31 at home against Northern Arizona. This was, honestly, the game started out. We had three touchdowns in the first 10 minutes of play. Idaho's down 14-7, and at that point, scoring that quick, I was convinced. This was either going to be a repeat of 2019, of 2019 when Mason Petrino dueled Case Cookus, or we were going to get a repeat of Eastern, where it's 71-21. Weirdly, the game balanced out and was one of Idaho's I, it's weird. It's again, it's, it's odd to say this. This was one of the most normal flowing games Idaho had the entire season. Stayed close the rest of the way. Idaho falls short. Uh, a couple quick stats before throwing it to Dallas. Uh, Mike Beaudry was quarterback for all but two snaps. He goes 28 of 46 for 306 yards, throws one touchdown, three interceptions. Quarterback for Northern Arizona, freshman R.J. Martinez, 18 completions, 29 attempts, 238 passing yards. He throws for three touchdowns. Idaho highlight, uh, Rashawn Johnson led the way on the ground, 11 rushes for 57 yards, zero touchdowns. And fullback Logan Kendall, the throwback, four rushes for 31 yards, including a 26-yard rush. He picks up two touchdowns. Congrats, Logan, Logan Kendall. That might be the highlight of the game. But after that introduction dallas what was the story of last night's game unfortunately the story is the same old same old um you, we, we can look at Beaudry's stat line 28 for 46 306 yards with 116 yards on the ground idaho had a good offensive output yardage wise but 
it just doesn't get converted into points. And it doesn't seem to matter if it's Mason Petrino, which obviously that dead horse was something we all thought, okay, when this is done and over, everything's going to fix itself. It didn't in the spring with Beaudry at the helm. It hasn't with Borish coming in and obviously running just into a stacked box over and over and over again. It hasn't worked with – we haven't hardly seen C.J. Jordan, but it didn't work with that. didn't work with Giovanni McCoy taking the passing snaps while Borish is running. It just doesn't – it doesn't seem like there's anything that's going to change this. Uh, obviously, you look at the rushing output, and it was honestly quite incredible. Uh, Andre Carter looked pretty good. Logan Kendall obviously looked fantastic. Roshan looked really good, looked like he was healthy again. They threw for 306 yards and they got into the end zone a couple times. It, it just doesn't, for a for a coach that has an offensive pedigree, you would think that Idaho could score more against a bottom feeder like NAU, kind of like the, the Mason 60-53 game or whatever, whatever that ended up being. It, it truly did feel like, okay, we're going to go punch for punch here, and then it did level out, and Idaho obviously turned the ball over quite a bit, but it that's the story to me is it, this is the same thing. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter what the game plan is. The offense just doesn't score enough, and then obviously you can see that uh, Kevin Daniels ran all over the defense. Uh, 177 net yards is not great when NAU is not a good rushing team, but it, it's just it's same old, same old. That's the story to me. The the rushing totals for NAU were to me a surprise throughout the game because this was not just a couple big rushes. NAU they they had the kind of game that Aaron Best at Eastern Washington would love, where their passing yards, rushing yards were pretty dang close to a 50-50 split. And yesterday, the total for NAU is net 232 yards on. 41 attempts. That's a 5.7 yards per rush average. I say that's the story because throughout the last couple seasons, Dallas has been pretty average for us to talk about. Our secondary is bad. Our secondary, if it's not the worst in the league, it's, it's pretty dang close to the worst in the league. But for the last few years, anyone who talks Idaho football, one of the things they bring up is their linebackers and, and their, their defensive line. It's tough. In the spring, we had the best rushing defense of any team in terms of yards per rush and heading into this season, we still haven't given up really what I'd call like atrocious rushing totals against comparable teams. And that continued to look like a relative strength that was out the window, Northern Arizona, not a good rushing team. They honestly, they broke runs essentially whenever they needed to. And our, our front seven could not do really much about it. Which was huge because though R.J. Martinez, his stat line was, I mean, it wasn't awful. Um, it was not Eric Berrier-esque minus the three touchdowns. That's kind of a big deal. R.J. Martinez was hit or miss throughout that game, but that didn't that didn't matter because then you could run as much as they wanted. And separately, we, this is another thing we got to talk about, Dallas, which I want to hear about from you. Northern Arizona tried very hard to lose this game. Penalty, Northern Arizona doubled us up on penalty yards, and almost all of their penalties came at like the worst time you could possibly want them. I mean, we Idaho is the recipient of three drive-sustaining 15-yard penalties from number one, the cornerback on Northern Arizona. Just one guy had three of them. We had that punt in the fourth quarter where bad snap to Aguilar. Idaho is down seven. We need to get the ball. 
we need to get the ball back. Northern Arizona, fourth down, they're, they're punting because we, we held like we needed to. And Northern Arizona is going to gamble. Okay, you guys, march 90 yards with no timeouts. Go ahead. Bad snap. Aguilar takes a knee. It's around 30. Idaho could not have asked for a better setup. And we're still having that same talk again, Dallas, if the offense is going to engineer. We finished with 31 points thanks to a Chuck Econo fumble recovery that he ran, ran back into the end zone, which that was part of that RJ Martinez having some pretty rough moments against Idaho and still have an okay stat line. Minus that seven points, our, our offense generates 24 points. It's just very hard to win games like that, Dallas. It is, and it's just it's frustrating because you, you hit it on the head. Uh, number one for NAU, I was going to pull up his name to give him a real shout-out because he truly was the MVP for Idaho uh, in this game. Three different hands to the face penalties that extended drives. Uh, it, it, it was absurd. And then, like you said, DJ Arnson, the bad snap, he, was, he had his knee on the ground, took it, and you see it's, it's credited as a 14-yard loss on a fourth and eight. Uh, and Idaho got the ball on the NAU 32, and then unfortunately, Beaudry had his third pick of the game. Uh, Morgan Vest, to be fair, is an all caliber big sky player, uh, or all big sky caliber player. Uh, he's I know he got my vote in the preseason, uh, as a safety. He did throw it into like quadruple coverage, there were so many guys around it, but anyways, it's. I don't even I don't even know where to go with this. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna p- pitch it to uh, to Nick's mention here in the comments. Please talk about the punts on fourth and short when we have Logan Kendall on the roster. Logan Kendall looked like the greatest fullback in the history of the game. Logan Kendall was running people over like we'd see Andre Carter do, but even angrier. It was honestly it kind of made it, it was kind of gross. Like shout out to Logan Kendall for just completely running guys over. And Idaho would punt at midfield in its fourth and one, fourth and two. And it, it really did feel like they truly need to start extending drives on fourth down. They cannot be punting. They have to start scoring. I just, Brian, I don't know what to do at this point. This is This is so tough to talk about because it just doesn't feel to me like anything that's going to happen on that field is going to be positive at any point. Like you said, even the the front seven wasn't getting home the, the way that they used to. I know uh, Chuck Acano got so close to a handful of different sacks there, but it just doesn't feel like anything's working right now. To to lose to NAU, who is not a good football team, it's not a good sign for Idaho when our next games are one and seven Southern Utah. Hopefully, there's going to be a win there, and then on the road at Montana state who is probably the best team in the conference right now. And then Idaho state, the rivalry, which they're just as performing just as poorly as Idaho is, but that's on the road. It's a rivalry game. There's a, there is an outside shot at Idaho, not winning another game. I don't even know if I'd call that outside, man. Southern Utah just played the same Montana Grizzlies. We played except they played in Missoula Southern Utah lost 20 to 19. They Montana had to block field goal at the end of the game to hold on to that win. Southern Utah, they this is not the Southern Utah podcast, guys, but they've perpetually been competitive against teams. They just keep losing. Uh, I, I don't know how that team is still keeping any sort of sanity with how many close games they've lost in the last couple of years. But they're almost off of Idaho, where I'm, I'm going to pivot to a stat to talk about Dallas real quick. 
you said you don't really know what what how, what else is going to change for this team. I can tell you nothing's going to change until we have – this is not as bad as the Zach Kloss basketball issue where there was just no way to untie the knot. That team lacked talent and that team lacked execution. There, it didn't matter what the strategy was. They're going to lose. Here's the knot this Idaho team can't yet untie. Our defense is per game worse than the league giving up 533.6 yards per game. So NAU getting a little bit under 500 yards was a great, was a good showing for us defensively. The uh, Idaho's offense averages 383.4 yards per game. That's 150 yard gap between our offensive production, our, our, what our defense allows. So you in what, on one instance, if you're going to have a defense that bad, you have got to sling it around. But we, we don't we're not particularly great or imaginative if at sl- slinging it around like that. On the other hand, you could say, well, if you can button up the what you're allowing on the defensive end and do ball control, but we don't have the defense for ball control to actually be that great a strategy for us. At least the way we're executing it. You know, like when we've done ball control, sometimes it's boorish. But I mean, at this point, look, NAU snuffed out boorish because Petrino runs the same damn play every single time. He absolutely will not give Borish a shot passing. Even if you're not, even if you're continuing the Borish setup where it's the the odd package compared to what let's say Beaudry runs, if he doesn't get to throw it sometimes, the other teams are, are ecstatic when he gets out there because they load up the box and they know Petrino's not going to say anything. We read the Petrino quote last week. But I have another thing I want to bring up, Dallas. I want to ask you. We have joked about this. We had a listener ask, team, is the team turning on the coach? I think the jury's in. Petrino doesn't have that locker room. I don't care about the percentage you want to like divvy out. I'm not assigning any individual player, but we're starting to see good position groups fail. Like our front seven, we know those are talented guys, and NAU ran all over them. That that is not NAU's not a more talented. They do not have a more talented offensive line and, and stable running backs than we have defensive linemen and linebackers. That we we absolutely win that talent equation. But NAU walked all over it. So, no, I'm fine saying he's lost locker room. Famous Petrino second-half adjustments, Dallas. I did a quote-unquote deep dive of this past season. How many points in the second half do you think Idaho has averaged in Big Sky games? Just this season? Yeah, just this season. Second half. 7 Follow-up question before I answer. What do you think is our highest scoring second half against Big Sky teams? Uh, Was it 14 against Eastern? So phase one, you were pretty dang close with the average. Idaho's averaging, this is math on the fly, uh, guesstimate really quick. Idaho's averaging about eight points per second half. Seven versus Davis, seven versus Portland State, seven versus Eastern, seven versus Montana, and our season high, 10 against Northern Arizona. Boy. So, yeah, that second half we just saw, guys, that was our most prolific offensive second half against Big Sky teams. So, at, we, we've you and I have talked about this on the show. I mean, obviously, if a team's scoring 24 points on the offensive end, like you're, you're not going to have 50 in the second half because you didn't have 50 to begin with. But if this Idaho team isn't winning convincingly in the second half, we're preposterously bad at scoring in quarters three and four. 
So no, I did. I mean, we've talked. We try not to live in this park forever, man. But I don't know more evidence than anyone needs. This isn't going to resolve itself. This is year nine, and our season high in the second half is ten points. Some of those teams we've played also are not that great. Portland State, not that great. Northern Arizona just lost forty-four to zero against Sac State. Northern Arizona, though they're better with RJ Martinez now, they lost to Northern Colorado earlier in the season, seventeen to ten. So I guess we Idaho played a round robin of the kind of okay teams in the Big Sky. We went one and one at home. Held on to beat Portland State, lost to NAU Dallas. I mean, that's that's the big thing to take away here. Yes, this team got pantsed by Eastern. Yes, this team got embarrassed by Montana. Yes, there's a bunch of losses on the record. Yes, the schedule is tough. But this is happening against NAU, putting up 10 points against NAU. NAU is not a good team. NAU is four and four, three and two in conference. They are not like they're not some world beaters that it's like, oh, way to way to go. We only lost by seven. You know, it was close and up till the end. This is a team that Idaho should be beating the shit out of. And instead, here we are talking about yet another loss. And I want to kind of circle back to the uh, we're, we're seeing it in the comments. Idaho may have tuned Petrino out and Jack asking team turning on the coach. And I think Brian and I are obviously pretty vocal in what our feelings are on the coach and his staff at this point. Um, not necessarily calling out all members of the staff. Cause I, I, from the sources we hear, there are some, some guys on the staff that are, are truly great and are truly, truly trying to teach young men how to be men. Um, and that's, I think, as, as much as I want to get in depth on that topic, but uh, it it really does feel like the, like it's just giving up. Uh, we go into the fourth quarter. Uh, I'm sitting, I sit about eight rows up from the NAU side. Fourth quarter happens, and I, I've I've always felt this is silly, but you know, teams all I'll put up the four, you know, or start yelling fourth quarter or, or whatever. NAU, every single player, second that it was changed from third to fourth. Hands up, fourth quarter. You know, it's silly, but it's it's the team being together. Everybody four. You look over at the Idaho bench, and three guys lackadaisically go like this, and then you start seeing a couple different hands start popping up before the entire team has done it over the span of about fifteen seconds. It it does from the naked eye. It does feel like people are just kind of mailing it in at this point. And I can't I can't name a player. I don't want to name a player. I it just it feels like watching it like the team has checked out after, like you said, Brian, it's been nine years. There's been one winning season and it's, it's not like there's been a whole lot of really close seasons either. A lot of the seasons have been pretty ugly. And unfortunately we're starting to see that with another great comment by Nick. Did you guys notice how often Paul was 10 plus yards from the main body of players and coaches that I absolutely noticed. And it does feel even more to the naked eye test of, the team has the locker room does not listen to Paul anymore. It's, it's what it feels like because, like you said, he's he's not even even anywhere near the players. Like the, it, there's no real interaction other than watching him yell at people, and it doesn't seem like they're really paying a whole lot of attention when he he's yelling at them. But it's tough. Obviously, we talked last week about Montana. There were what fourteen thousand five hundred in twenty eighteen. There were six thousand people in the dome last week. The attendance has not been atten- announced. It is listed as zero. It sure felt like it was close to zero. There was no one in the dome. It, the, like 
we showed up 15 minutes before the game and we were able to park in VSF one right up next to the dome. There was nobody in the parking lots. There were hardly any people tailgating. And obviously people are going in the game, but then when we got in the game, it was like, Oh, there's, there is literally nobody here. I, Brian, if I had to guess on it, I would guess they're going to announce 3000 ish. I don't think there were 3000 people there on TV. It certainly didn't look like there were 3000 people there. Uh, what was the, and I know, Listeners are going to know if there's only 3,000 in a 16,000 person arena, the energy obviously is not going to be fantastic. What, as you know, you were there, Dallas, what was the energy like in the dome? Boring. It felt like, now, to be fair, I was wearing a bag on my head this entire game um, as my personal way of protesting against the things that we are told behind the scenes from the people I know on the team, the people we know in the athletic department the friends and family and parents that we know from the things that I hear, I am sick of this. Um, I think I've spoken about it before on the podcast. If I haven't, this is about to get extraordinarily profane. So bear with me. If you are listening to this hit skip his first spring practice in 2013, I'm working in television. We had video of him screaming fucking cunts at the offensive lineman. We had to kill it because the TV station I was working for is also the radio partner of the Idaho Vandals. So we killed it. I don't know where you're supposed to go from that. When you're shouting those things at players for not breaking the huddle correctly, where do you go? So I, I will be completely honest. The first person to admit, I have never been a huge fan of the guy because I think he treats the kids like crap. And it's just, this makes sense that there's nobody here because I think the team's checked out. The people have checked out. It's just, man, I, I could ramble on about this for a long time, but it's just, it's just time, man. It, it's time to get somebody that's going to be nicer to the kids and win games and not go 32 and 68. I mean, we're at, we're at 33% winning percentage. I mean, obviously the, since realistically Tom Cable, Idaho has just been pretty blah, but the, the, the energy in the dome just feels like, like exactly what we're saying right now. Like this just has to change. The people are done with this. Like the team is not great. Obviously they're two and six. There's no chance of having a winning record this year. If they somehow won out, it would still end up as five and six. The, the few people that were there, it didn't seem like we were really doing anything other than going through the motions. Like I was there at the game because that's what I do. I support the team. I, I have season tickets. I go to the games. What didn't feel feel like anybody was terribly thrilled to be there. It was just like, well, it's a Saturday. It's Moscow. It's Idaho football. That's what we do. And it, there was no energy. It just felt like going through the motions. Like we've been saying this whole show, just doing the same thing over and over without anything changing. Which I wouldn't call that shocking. If we, we have not talked about standings enough on the show, Idaho right now, one and four in conference play, two and six overall. That puts us at 10th place in conference. We are uh, narrowly above our hated rival, Idaho State. Idaho State's 1-5 and five and 1-7 and overall. That's 11th place. But we're the the thing that stands out for me about Idaho, we're below Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado's 2-4 and four in conference, 3-6 and six overall. I'm going to ignore the overall record for Northern Colorado because they weirdly had a really nice out-of-conference schedule that I would love if Idaho had. Mm-hmm. Play, they played two FCS games and they played Colorado. Uh, yeah, it was Lamar and Houston Baptist where the FCS teams Northern Colorado played. But Northern Colorado's looked pretty dang bad 
for most of their conference uh, season. I mean, last this Saturday was Christian was Dylan McCaffrey's first okay outing as the quarterback for Northern Colorado. First time his yards per attempt is over five point six. The week before against Southern Utah, the the absolutely flame throwing Southern Utah Thunderbirds, he averaged three point two yards per attempt. But that team that team's above Idaho right now. That team's certainly not more talented than Idaho, but standings wise. That that's just that's where we are right now. As a check in for the rest of the league, real quick, Montana State leads at their five and zero in conference. Sac State, that's another rebuild team. Their their head coach Troy Taylor. It's his second season. He has one Big Sky loss in two years so far. Uh, Sac State five five and zero six and two overall. Eastern four and one seven and one overall. Davis, the team we almost beat at at UC Davis. They're four and one seven and one overall. Montana three and two six in conference six and two overall. Northern Arizona, th- Northern Arizona's got three conference wins, man. That's that's just the thing we're going to circle back to. And I'm done reading through the rest of the standings. Northern Arizona, certainly not a more talented team than Idaho. They've got three conference wins. There's no way. I, well, I mean, Idaho could finish with three conference wins if we beat Southern Utah and Idaho State in the upcoming games. But I'm, a, I mean, with Idaho right now, I I really think the team is going to struggle to turn in four quarters of play. It's not not because again we've said this a thousand times not because of the talent. It's I just don't think the team's heart is is with Petrino right now, and that's part of why you saw against Northern Arizona. In spite of us hanging close, you started to see weird performance gaps that don't a hundred percent make sense based off what we've seen earlier. Mm-hmm. The front seven to me was the big one, which I'm not blaming any specific player. It's more I just don't think this Idaho team right now has the heart not in my mind, not being behind their leader uh, to get through four good competitive quarters. So if we're going to win, it's going to have to be kind of like Portland state where we blow up a huge lead early and then we can kind of coast the rest of the way. The question being is how we're going to get those points to get a big lead early. Cause our, our defense, Chuck Connell got us a touchdown this last game, but minus the one half against Portland state, this team just hasn't moved the ball well enough or quickly enough or we do what we did against NAU, which we did have some nice-looking drives. The offense is a little bit more interesting because Petrino at least has enough trust in uh, Beaudry to call a few, a few, you know, a few different plays other than run it up the middle every single time. But they resulted in empty calories. We did not – again, you, you subtract Chuck Connell's touchdown, that's 24 total points, not enough, and 10 in the second half. Just not going to get it done, Dallas. No, not, not at all, especially – uh, I don't like this is going to sound like I'm calling out the quarterback and I don't mean to three interceptions is not going to get it done when when you're scoring 24 points three interceptions is not going to get it done. three interceptions isn't going to get it done if you somehow put up 45 if you threw three interceptions and a 45 point output you probably lost they probably scored in the 50s if that happened but it it is it's just it's just not going to get it done and, and it circles back to the thing we said at the very beginning of yeah, Beaudry went out there and put up 300 yards. Awesome. Uh, ran for over 100 yards rushing. Like Offensively, the yardage looks good, but it's empty. It's 21 points across four quarters is not, or 24 points, excuse me. 24 points across four, four quarters is not going to get it done. Scoring 10 points in the second half, not going to get it done. Even when you get Chuck Acano making that incredible play to score a defensive touchdown, they fake a punt and completely turn the game on its head. And... It yes, those things are going to happen, and those are obviously incredible, like 
game defining plays when it happens, but it just, man, it, it just feels like the deck is stacked against Idaho right now. And it sucks. It sucks going to these games and waiting for the shoe to drop. Idaho jumped out to a quick lead again. Like we've seen almost every big sky game, Idaho grabs the lead on the first or second drive. It's like, okay, cool. You know, Hey, good start. Awesome. And then it all falls apart after that. And Nick is thrown into the chat. The team looks totally different since the blocked field goal attempt towards the end of Davis. Feels like the Seahawks Super Bowl XLIV moment. Uh, I was there, by the way. That was awesome as a Rams fan. That was incredible. Um, sorry to rub it into anybody listening. Uh, Nick also said maybe fumbling it at homecoming instead of victory formation. Like maybe the two things. Like there's these things that are happening that do. Uh, he's absolutely right. It feels like that's where the sh- this season shifted. And obviously, UC Davis was maybe a little bit fool's gold. They haven't looked great since the Idaho game, but we're at this point where it does feel like these big moments are just, like I said, the deck stacked against Idaho and things just don't go the Vandals way any, at any point, Uh, even the, all the penalty yards to give us free drives and give us points and kneeling the ball for a 14 yard loss on fourth and eight because the punter can't handle the snap because it's too low. Those kind of things are hilarious and should have completely changed the game. But instead, we're sitting here talking about another loss to yet another bad team. I'm going to filibuster for a second. There's a stat I want to talk about too, just to, to put in context. Cause we, this game, it was different to see teams run pretty well, pretty easily against us. That hasn't been normal, no. even, even our losses, but here, here's the other thing that's not going to get unwra- unwoven right now. Idaho pass defense. How many? What do you think the gap Dallas is between touchdowns allowed by our pass defense and interceptions we've had? What, what's the gap between those two numbers? Big Sky play only. Boy, oh boy. Um, do we have two or three interceptions in Big Sky play? Regardless, okay. we have a bunch more touchdowns against us. It's, I mean, not a ten to one ratio, but we're looking probably seven to one. You are way too optimistic. No one's ever – that might be yeah. like the first time someone says that. Dude, Yeah, no one's ever way, said that to me before. Way too optimistic, my man. So the, the, the gap between Idaho's touchdowns allowed through the air and our interceptions is – good Lord, I filibustered the listeners now because I have to click on a different tab. 19 touchdowns allowed in conference play, one pick. Sweet Jesus, I was way off. Follow a couple follow up questions for you. Nor- so, Southern Utah is known right now as not a very good uh, pass defense, correct? It's fair. Give up 9.5 yards per pass attempt. They're better than Idaho. We're at nine- we give up 9.6 yards per attempt through the air. And the final reference point I'm going to give I'm not going to compare us to Weber State, which is, you know, DBU. Weber State is a, they're always good defending the pass. In your mind, Dallas, is Eastern a good, bad, or okay pass defense? In my mind? Well, unfortunately, I am sharing the screen. Eastern I have as fourth in passing yards. I would say Eastern is a good passing defense. Most people, if you ask them big sky-wise, they would say Eastern's, like usually Eastern's Achilles heel is they're not as good defensively. Mm -hmm. This year's team is fine defensively. Eastern, in terms of yards per game, they're giving up 187. Per game for us to get to Eastern, we'd have to have our total. We're giving up 358 yards per game through the air. 
I, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know how we can, how to, a team can possibly undo that at this point. Cause you just know, Hey, pass inside how you're fine. And now if this repeats our rush defense, I mean, this, we don't know if this will repeat for sure. That's, that's a question. And that we know we have the talent to, to make it not happen, but Idaho couldn't stop any of you on the ground at all. If that's the case, oh man, these next three games are, well, they'll be a ride, won't they? Sorry, the cat is causing chaos behind me. Um, but yes, no, you are, you are correct. Uh, very unfortunately, you are correct. Uh, if if all of a sudden Idaho can't stop the run, I have no idea what how this is going to go. But Southern Utah again. Southern Utah is, I've got the stats up here. Southern Utah is second to last in rushing offense uh, this season. They have 870 yards across nine games. Now, that hasn't, uh, it's a little bit of just, not fool's gold, but it's a little bit misleading because they are so heavily skewed towards the pass. If you flip to passing offense, they do have 2,100 yards passing. Now, that's also because they are often behind and often throwing the ball, but Justin Miller looked good in the spring, and he's, He's going to throw it all over Idaho. Let's be completely realistic. I am not expecting Southern Utah to come in and run for 170 yards. They're they're going to try to get 400 with Miller, but it's it's going to be a really long three weeks if if we are honestly looking at the Montana State rushing offense currently leading the the conference. If we've got to deal with that in two weeks, and they're they're going to put up numbers that NAU did. And obviously NAU jumped a fourth after putting up a very good number against us. I, oh, I don't even want to think about the next three weeks. Yeah, I, I don't really either. I want to close it out. Just a couple stats uh, just to make sure we highlight some of the guys who did look all right versus NAU. Uh, you know, something for us to hold on to. Therese trainer with Mike Beaudry back. Looked like the guy we'd seen earlier in the year. 12 receptions, 167 yards, and a touchdown for trainer. Makai Stevenson had what I think was his best receiving game. Nine yards, 92 – nine receptions – not nine yards, good Lord. Nine receptions for 92 yards, no touchdown. Uh, both those guys with Beaudry, they look better than they looked, you know, with, with McCoy out there. I am a little bit confused. I'm, I'm not confused, but I think uh, viewers, listeners are probably disappointed – Zach Borish in in uh, conference play is the number six rusher in conference. That's after getting two rushes total against NIU. He's still number six. Uh, so even if he's not going to, if they're not going to give him a chance to pass the ball, good lord, at least get the ball in his hands somehow. I don't. It's a weapon we're not a weapon not being used the way it could be. Um, yeah, frustrating. But hey, uh, Trainer and, and Stevenson had big games. Beaudry looked good in moments, but for this to be something we're actually excited about, it's got to materialize into something more than uh, yards and 24 total points. Any other points you want to close out with, Dallas? I've got a bunch of points, Brian, but I don't want to get into them. I just pick one. I just don't understand how anybody can watch this team and not think there's a problem with the coach. We are at nine goddamn years here. Like, this is the fourth year in the big sky. I understand that we have had problems where yes, Paul Petrino was hired after the whack fell apart and he coached a season as an independent and then into the sunbelt, which was never a long-term solution. They only needed New Mexico state and Idaho to get to 12 teams to have that conference championship game where a whole bunch of extra money rolls in. 
the second that rule was changed, they kicked us out. They kicked us out because they didn't need us. They 10 teams, they can host, host a championship game. Awesome. See you later. So I understand going independent to Sunbelt to potentially independent and then instead switching down to the FCS. I get it. That is a rough, rough thing to have to deal with. But the fact of the matter is Chuck Staben is long gone. That decision happened a long time ago. We are at the fourth season in the big sky, and there is an honest-to-God shot that Idaho wins two goddamn games this season. Like, it is time. I do not understand how we get tweets, we get emails, I get people saying it to me in person. I don't understand what I'm seeing that other people aren't, or what I do not get it. So I'm sorry for the rant here, but like Nick just threw up on the uh, in the chat, a weapon not used the way it could be. The most accurate summation I've heard of Paul's tenure. It is the, Zach Borish is sixth in the conference in rushing. If you take if you take the other games, he's up to tenth, or, or he's down to tenth. He's still he is one of the best runners in this entire conference. He is one of the best athletes on this team. Why in the hell did he get two carries for three yards straight up the middle on the read option? You can't figure out a way to get this guy on the field. Every other game, he seems to break a 60-yard run in the first drive. And then, you know, teams adjust to, oh, hey, that guy's not going to throw the ball. I just, it is baffling to me that we we are not fully united in this as year four. There are two wins, one of which is against maybe the worst team to ever step on a football field. Simon Frazier would lose to Whitworth here. Whitworth is Division Three for anybody that knows that. This is honestly ridiculous. I do not understand why this is acceptable. I do not understand why this is okay. I do not understand why people are not losing their mind that this guy is still coaching this team to two wins. This feels like the end of Rob Akey's tenure. I liked Rob Akey. Rob Akey actually knew my name. I've, I, it was weird. I'm used to him calling him Bubba, but he called me Dallas when he got fired. And I was, you know my name. This is weird. I liked Rob Akey. Rob Akey had to go. That was a good decision. I, you know, it frustrated me at the time because the conference thing is, I think, part of why his tenure fell apart because obviously the whack fell apart at the end of it. But this just does not make any sense to me why we are still sitting here going through the motions with this. I know there's the financial problems. I know there's there's all these excuses, but here we are. This is the biggest hammer down of the, the goddamn century. What are we doing here? There, if Idaho is content with this, let's just do the Eastern thing and let's just drop to D3 or drop to NAIA. This is ridiculous. There is zero, zero reason that Idaho should be this bad four years into the big sky. Yeah, don't got a ton of pushback for that. The comparison I'd give people is Nick Weber just killed my train of thought with a conspiracy theory that I have to not read right now. But uh, the, the comparison I'd give... Nick's conspiracy theory is that Borish doesn't get real looks because he was on the roster in the Dead Horse era. Nick, I completely agree with you. If Zach Borish goes out there and looks, oh, hey, this is like the Mason offense kicked up to a 10. How bad is that going to look? I completely agree. But I also, I'm jaded. I... I am ready to move on and ready to start the next era of Idaho football. Dallas, you sure you're Jaden? Tiny bit. Sure. <laughs> okay. The comparison I was going to give to listeners, uh, just so you guys have something to take away, is, yeah, we're, we're in year four in the big sky where we've had coaching continuity. There's been a handful of coaching turnover in the big sky, either just before Idaho joined or since Idaho's joined. And 
we are behind every single the only team that has a new coach in the last five years, five or six years that we are um, not behind is Cal Poly, where Cal Poly is doing a complete system reboot. They're, they are one of the hardest schools to get into in the entire nation. That includes Harvard. Uh, so it's just a different monster Bill Baldwin has in Cal Poly. But right now, uh, Cal Poly is one game behind Idaho in, in the conference standings. Cal Poly, though their schedule gave them this by playing San Diego. Idaho would have beaten San Diego, particularly early in the year. But Cal Poly has exactly as many FCS wins as Idaho has. The comparison for us, let, let's just honestly spin the wheel, pick a team with a new recent coach. Sac State, their coach is in their second year. It took them one year to turn around. They are, they, and they've maintained their tied for first place in the conference, 5-0 and uh, in conference, 6-2 overall. Montana State has a new coach. Yeah, he inherited a full cabinet, but he's – he kept things stable. Plus, uh, Jeff Choate, prior to Brent Vegan, he turned the program around in about two years in the big sky from 2016 to 20, 2018. Yeah, that was when they made their first playoff, their first playoffs with Choate, 2018. Yeah, two years. Bobby Houck turned the program from fringe playoff to final eight in the entire FCS in one year. Chris Ball, who took, took over NAU, this is his third season total. Well, I know you just beat us. They're three and two in conference, four and four overall. Like it just doesn't matter where you pick. The there's been success. It doesn't take four years, uh, which it should honestly like we should be optimistic for Vandal fans because it means if you have the pieces in place like Sacramento State, it just takes the right guy and then you're done. But I uh, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know what else we have to, to. If there's anything else we need to to go over to close out the bar, Dallas, and throw it back to you one last time. Uh, yeah, the last thing I would say is the I donate a hundred October in I donate a hundred in October campaign is ending today. Uh, if anybody's looking to spend a hundred bucks, throw it towards the university, throw it to the the Vandal Scholarship Fund. Uh, it's it may be tough. I I had my very public moment on Twitter, not feeling like I really wanted to financially support this program a whole lot longer, but cooler heads prevailed and. Look, the student athletes can use your money if if you if you've got it. If you've got an extra hundred bucks to use, and you don't care where it goes, send it to the university. Help those kids out. Also, if you're guy, if you're someone who wants the university to have flexibility with personnel, a an underfunded athletic department doesn't have that flexibility. Um, you you honestly punish your own self interest by if you're able to donate and you typically want to donate but you choose not to in some form in some form of protest. You're sabotaging yourself. The university needs some money. Programs need money too. Um, last thing before we close it out. Some of you guys might be wondering about basketball season. I am choosing to not record for basketball until we've seen the team in action a little bit. We had the first exhibition against Evergreen State on Friday. The I didn't get to go to it, uh, but the radio broadcast made it sound like we were okay. Uh, yeah, we won that game comfortably. Shot one of 14 on threes in the first half. That's what made it close in the first half, but we we did it did it looked like we outclassed them athletically, which is good news because our last roster wouldn't have been able to outclass essentially anyone. So uh, we're still going to need more evidence before we get ex- before we get ecstatic about the roster we have. But the returns so far are positive. So fingers crossed. You're going to get the men's basketball preview after I actually get eyes on the team because I'm just not recording an hour talking about how someone might be that I haven't seen play. I think it's time to close the bar, Dallas. We failed to bring up. This was brought to you by Hughes River Expedition in the opening. My bad, guys. Uh, Please don't pull your sponsorship. But around the bar. We love you, Colin.
<laughs> around the bar, dude. Brought to you by Hughes River Expedition. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main salmon river of no return, the salmon river canyons, or the selway. And you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perced meteor shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expedition has been vandal owned and operated by Colin since 1976, probably not by Colin since 76, and ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the little also at the gym state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. And I will not ad-lib mid-ad where I accuse Colin of owning it since 76. There's no way Colin so, I mean, has been running it since 76. That would at least, if Colin, like, uh, what, born in 76 and immediately became the, the owner-operator, Colin, you look really good for pushing 50, man. Gotta say. He, he's a prodigy. <laughs> he's definitely a prodigy, no question. Uh, you know, he just... Re- the moment he got his feet on the ground, and we mean at the literal level, feet on the ground, he's run Hughes River. But anyway, guys, uh, that's around the bar. Thanks for coming. We have the show Tuesday to pre- preview Southern Utah. We have basketball news upcoming. It's time for Kobe uh, Cuff to play us out. Go Vandals. As always, go Vandals. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the vandals in the craft All just out there living the dream Part of one and only Moscow drinking tea